Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Yes You Can podcast. My name's Hannah, and I am an indoor cycling instructor, an instructor coach to help others tap into their magic, level up, fill classes, and change lives, a communications consultant and marketer, and like a whole bunch of other things, to be honest. And I think that's a kind of a perfect segue to get right into what we're talking about today, because this podcast is all about ADHD and my recent diagnosis with it at the age of 33. It is a wild realization to come to terms with the fact that you've been neurodivergent your entire life, to say the least. But as I list all the things that I do and my multi-passionate career and how I'm an entrepreneur, but I also work full-time, but I also teach spin and I have a course and I'm getting into launch strategy and doing more consulting with that. Like even saying all of these things in one breath has always sounded so strange to others. I think when we talk about when I meet somebody and they, they hear what I do and there was like, wow, you must be busy. And it's always, you always almost feel strange naming all the things that you do because, and if you've probably even heard this on the podcast where I've like done my intro and kind of chuckle afterwards, because it is a lot of things, but it's how my brain operates. It's exactly, and I'm a podcaster. It's how my brain operates. I love to do multiple things at once. And I love to be energized by new projects and by launching things that feel really exciting to me in that moment. And part of that is because of ADHD. So let's start from the beginning. I have been really into podcasting over the last two years and listened to an insane amount of podcasts every single day. One of my favorites is gold digger, gold digger, not gold digger, gold digger by Jenna Kutcher. And she had a, an expert on who's, who focuses specifically on ADHD and women. Her name is Tracy Otsuka, and she has a podcast called ADHD for smart ass women. And I was listening to my regular episode with Jenna gardening, like she covers a whole bunch of different topics, including marketing, including online digital product launching and email lists and all the things that I, I sort of came to her podcast for. But I tuned into this one and was doing other things as I always have to be doing multiple things at the same time. Another like flag here that's that my brain operates differently. And I almost stopped dead in my tracks as they started to, as Tracy started to talk about ADHD in women and how it presents. And since that time, since I came to this realization and subsequently made a post a few weeks ago on Instagram, I've had multiple conversations with other women who have expressed that they feel like they have ADHD and then actually went and got a diagnosis. And so this ripple effect of me listening to this podcast, then posting about it has, and now doing a, presumably a podcast this is going to be the same thing there's been like five or six people that I've spoken to who've been like, I saw your post. I went and got a diagnosis. I also have it. So that's the, just at the, at the top, at the very like top of this episode, I want, first of all, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician. Obviously I've just come to this realization. I'm learning about it myself as I'm bringing you along this journey. 
So I absolutely don't know everything. And I would encourage you to reach out to a physician, your family doctor. And if you see a psychologist, I did both. And I'm going to talk about that to get this diagnosis. So, but if some of this resonates with you, you know, you might be like me and come to this late. So first and foremost, I was shocked at how the symptoms were different than what I thought ADHD was. I always thought ADHD was the kid in the classroom who was really impulsive, who was really disruptive, who like pissed everybody off because they kept making the teacher mad and had all of their attention. Well, in women, it presents as being inattentive and having other symptoms like hyperactivity of thoughts or maybe interrupting people or not finishing a homework or like not having attention to detail there's all these different qualities and characteristics that I won't get into right in this moment, but it's not just that kid in the classroom who's receptive. It's also the girl, at the back of the classroom, looking out the window, lost in her thoughts. It's the girl or person I'm speaking from my, my perspective, obviously as a woman, I was the person who was at my desk trying to figure out how to like do different things to pass the time because sitting still felt like absolute torture And I couldn't, I couldn't get over how people just like concentrate on one thing and get that task done for an entire hour or two hours. Like doing an exam in a gym felt like absolute torture because I just couldn't focus on the work. And I was distracted by sounds, which is another characteristic of having ADHD that, that can be stronger or less strong, um, where sounds actually like completely distract me and I can hear things that it seems like other people can't hear or they're not affected by to such a deep level where there might be a fan or event or something. I was actually recently (laughs) last year, I worked at a different job at a different organization and there was this vent that actually sounded like a rocket ship coming specifically into my office. And I felt so dramatic for like trying to call physical plants to come and fix it and complaining to my boss and being like, it actually feels like I I have to put on headphones because I cannot, I can't concentrate. And it sounded like such a weird complaint to have to even like, I have an office. I'm at the level of my career where I expect to have an office all the time. And it it's, I think part of the desire to have an office is to have a closed space so I can concentrate because sounds of other people talking, incredibly distracting. And I think they're distracting to most people, but like they will actually interrupt me and I cannot let it go. I cannot focus on anything else. Some examples of this are like people speaking in movie theaters. I I will be the person who will tell them to be quiet because I can't, not that we've been to a movie theater in a long time, but because I cannot stand the murmuring and the muttering and all that stuff because it just completely distracts me. So there's this hypersensitivity to sound that Tracy mentioned on the podcast. And I was like, that is me. Like that's completely me, a sensitivity to overwhelming environments. So for me, the going to the mall is like, I want to get in and I want to get out. I don't want to be behind slow walkers because I'm incredibly impatient. I just want to get from A to B. I want to like get the thing done and move on and like knock it off the list. And part of that's like the overwhelming, just sensory overload of families, of people, of like noises, of smells, of all those things. And so 
if you love being at the mall, this might be, I, I cannot at all understand it, but I also can't understand like Disneyland or Disney world or like big carnivals. Like that is that to me is actual torture because it's, it's not only is it overwhelming environments where there's noise and there's people yelling and, you know, children screaming and all that sort of stuff, but there's also a pause. So you have to wait in line. So it's like this, like over it's this to me, what it seems like, and I've never been for obvious reasons now, it's like this combination of overwhelming sensitivity to like that, that's the environment. And then also having to wait in line and waiting in line is something that Tracy mentioned on the podcast. I'm like, my God, like I have said before to friends that like waiting in line is just not something I do. And so even when I used to go to the clubs and was of age of going to the bars and stuff, like I think part of the reason why I figured out how to like who the promoter was and how to be friends with them and being a DJ was because I just didn't want to wait in line. I just I flat out refused. I was like, this is not happening. So it's affected my decision-making and how I navigate like these workarounds because I, I, I like part of this neurodivergence and what people are learning about people with ADHD is it's not just a sensitivity and annoyance. It feels like an actual, and I think torture is a very strong word to, to use, but it feels like physically painful to remain in this state for too long. And so there's some people who have been diagnosed with ADHD and it actually turns out that they are, um, autistic or, or have some level of autism and are on the spectrum. And obviously there's, there's people who experience ADHD to a higher degree than I do. And like, you know, I'm just speaking for, again, from my own experience, but with all of these things, and I'll name a few other like negative qualities or things that I feel like I need to work on or that I've found workarounds for is that there's always a positive. So just like quickly to bring people into the positive parts of this and why I've named this episode, what it is like the sensitivity to noises allowed me to become a DJ because I could hear nuances and tracks that others could just like not hear. And I could easily connect them in my mind, shuffling through this library of sounds that have like permeated my senses to such a high degree that it's like, I have a library of music in my mind and I can grab two tracks and put them together and they sound great. Or they, they have lyrics that are similar and I like make that connection and then quickly do it. And even when I've been DJing with friends, um, my good friend, Carly Kechetta, who I had the DJ one-on-one course with, we DJ together and we DJ completely differently. She would go through her tracks in similar and like, look at the BPM so that the, that's the tempo of the song and go through similar tempos and kind of go down this list and make, make connections with genres and have playlists kind of set up. And I do it all. Like I just wing it. I go there, I read the crowd. I'm very sensitive to environments and and understanding people's emotions. And that's another characteristic of ADHD is being really in tune to the vibe of a space and being able to read emotions. And I always thought I was an empath, but I think it's actually more ADHD where I can like just feel the energy of a space and read between the lines, which has been really helpful for my career. But for DJing, I was able to to quickly like focus in on this task and find these different connections between 
between songs that others just could not hear. They couldn't hear that like higher tempo or higher vibration of a track or maybe a tambourine or a drum beat that's like a treble sound that matches this other one. And I do it all completely freestyle. And so like some of you might say, oh yeah, that's exactly how I do it too. Or others could not understand or even comprehend that lack of organization that I bring to it. But people with ADHD are highly creative. They can think of things that and make connections and draw between two completely seemingly disconnected things, find connections and also find solutions. So another quality of ADHD people is that they're incredibly good in crises. And that's me to a T. I'm the person you want. If something is going wrong, I will, I'll show up, I'll figure out a solution. And so as I'm talking about ADHD qualities, you might be like, doesn't mean, doesn't ADHD mean attention deficit? And that's actually not true that there's, I'm reading a ton of books. I'm listening to a ton of podcasts. And of course I'm coming to this as I'm bringing you this knowledge. Like I'm, I, you know, some of the stuff I've learned like yesterday. So stick with me. It's, it's an over amount of attention if you are interested in something. So when somebody with ADHD is, is interested in something, they will be the highest performer. So often they are exceptional once they're in a career that they love but terrible in, in one that they feel like they need to stay with. I'm in an ADHD Facebook group and I'm, there's a lot of women who are trying to find their career. It's for women specifically career path. Whereas I was the person who was fortunate enough to find what I love to do because of a communications program. And I felt like immediately, like, this is what I need to do. This is what I love to do. And I'm so focused on it and I'm here and I want to be the best at it, you know? And so I did a bajillion internships my first year. I entered with the Jets. I entered with Future Leaders of Manitoba. I interned with the CCPA or, um, sorry, CPRS, Canadian Public Relations Society. I've won awards from all of these organizations, minus True North, since that time because I just am obsessed with, with what I love to do. So that sort of energy and focus is a quality of ADHD people But on the flip side, if they're not interested in something, it feels again, like physically almost painful to try and power through. I was the girl who was terrible at math and science. And I just couldn't, it, I just couldn't understand the concepts to the point where I could finish it. And like, I would question my logic because I didn't have a solid grasp on it. So I would like bring in a whole other thought process that didn't, that didn't apply or didn't make sense to the, to the concept or to the exercise. And I just couldn't figure it out. It was like, that had too many thoughts boiling around in my head. just like to do, to sit down and do this thing. And so in high school, I was not great at school. And in elementary, I was not great. My feedback was always, if Hannah could just focus, um, she's like hard to stay on task, great energy, great participation. Like I love that, the, the back and forth and the engagement with my, my teacher. So I would always participate, always cheer other people on, but sitting quietly and doing a task was never my forte. I remember having a magazine on my desk at in science class, because I needed to step away from the task to like re-energize myself. And my science teacher hauled my mom in and was like, she's being so disrespectful. And in my, in retrospect, 
I could have been something else I was looking at. It could have been, you know, a magazine, it could have been a book or something, but I needed to, I was trying to find a workaround so that I could stay in mentally in the space. It's so wild at this point in my life to look back and be like, had I only known, had my parents only known life would have been a lot easier, presumably, um, in some regards. That being said, then going into university, I found after my undergrad, I found Crecom and I loved it. As I said, I excelled at it. And then once I moved on from Crecom, I did a master's degree and I excelled at that. Now, the part of the, the, one of the reasons the master's degree was so successful for me was because again, it was an area of interest. So there's all this research that shows that people who have ADHD do better as the higher they go up in their education. So lots of women, people are amazing professors. They like, once they find their area of focus, they're obsessed with it. They, they do exceptionally well and actually better than, than, um, atypical folks do because they have this energy and this focus and this over attention. But the part of the reason the, the masters was, was so great for me was because it was online learning. So I could do it at my own pace. I didn't need to be sitting in a, in a school room or in a, in, in a desk, the physical energy I feel is like this vibration all the time. And so sitting at a desk again is like physically painful for me <laughs> with my mind. I feel like my, the soul I've used the words before I knew this, that the soul feels like it's being sucked out of my body. And I like at the time, maybe friends thought I was being dramatic when I was actually just being completely descriptive and realistic about what it felt like. So the part of the masters that I loved was the online learning, the do it at your own pace, the hammer out assignments. I would always procrastinate until I needed to feel like I could be really motivated. And then I could work for 12 hours on something and do really well at it. Another characteristic of ADHD is procrastination. And then what interests you about the assignment is getting it done and that pressure. So some people with ADHD actually need to procrastinate, to feel like they have the, the motivation to complete it in a weird way. And it's the pressure that they enjoy. So the part of the masters I didn't like was the two weeks in Ottawa, as much as I loved going to Ottawa and as much as I loved seeing my friends and being around them and and staying in the most beautiful place ever. I'm obsessed with this place. It was really, really hard to sit for eight hours in a room even with lunch breaks, like I wouldn't need to have my phone or have my doing other things on my laptop. And just that focusing on that one thing. And even one particular professor who is amazing. I love her. She spoke incredibly slowly and I just could not, I could not deal with it. Like just the pace was too slow for what I feel like I have the energy, um, in my body for. So that upon reflection of that, it all makes sense. And what this ADHD diagnosis has given me is a lot of grace and healing because at one point I would have thought that I was not as motivated or as intelligent, or I just needed to try harder when that's not the case. Like it's, it's a neurodivergence. It's a, a biological thing that my brain works differently than other people. And so there's places where I will excel and I need to lean into and 
environments and people and opportunities that I need to stay away from or find workarounds if I really, if I, they're meant for me. But thinking back on school, for instance, it's like healed a lot of how I thought about myself. I wasn't just an athlete who was bad at certain subjects. I mean, I was again, amazing at writing in English languages, sports, because it was physical. Like there was such a dopamine hit from doing those things and getting those wins. Um, and with creativity, I can, I can think of any idea. I'm the best idea person I know, like, which is why consultants, consultancy and working with clients and helping coach other instructors and coach people generally is my favorite thing to do because I can sit there, listen to what they have to say and think of five solutions, whereas they might be blocked. And that advisor coach mentor strategy is something that I am amazing at. And I, like, I will say that I'm brilliant at it. And the reason I'll give some examples of, of how that's manifested in my career now. So school, it's healed a lot of things for that in work. I've found that the times that I'm at my best, when I am working to my highest potential is when I have autonomy and I have the freedom to execute on ideas that are creative, highly, um, strategic that people, other people are just not thinking of. There's the old adage, you know, this, we've done this the same way. So we're going to continue to do it the same way. And that's not how I think I want to solve problems. I want to do things more efficiently. I want to get from A to B quicker. I want to maximize coverage and, um, and impact and all of the things. And so I'm constantly thinking of new ways to do things. Some environments don't need that. They don't want it. They, they can't, they don't have a use for it. So for when other people with ADHD have been asking about careers, I can make the recommendation that either you are in a position that I've been in a position where I'm the leader and I've been a director since 2015 and I was with the, the bombers, which is a, you know, an amazing organization for this. Like I was the person who ran the halftime shows and came up with ideas for game themes and ordered the fireworks and also managed the cheer team and the drum line and the mascots and all over community programs that won awards. Like I was able to create and create and create to the point where we were known for some of the amazing things that I was coming up with. So if you can find a place like that, that allows you to fly in your strengths, like it's some, it's the same thing for anybody who's not, who doesn't have ADHD, but it's particularly important for people that do examples of these projects that like allowed me to excel or allowed my ADHD to fly. And I think like harness this was, was a few, a few different ones. So number one, we put a mosaic, a massive mosaic on the field full of little individual pieces of art that were created by Pemina Trail School Division students. We put this on the field and it made up the symbol, the international symbol for human rights, which is like a dove and a hand. This project was something that Pemina Trails was talking to me about. And they're like, could we do something with this? And we collectively came up with this idea to put this mosaic on the field in such a massive way that you could see it from a helicopter. Now imagine this is like, imagine you have a job where you're doing community relations and so you cut, like, if this is something that you would come up with, then you definitely have ADHD in my opinion. And then to convince others to do it. The other thing about ADHD is that we're incredibly enthusiastic. Like our energy is just brimming. And so as a communicator, as a fundraiser, 
as a community relations person, that has been so helpful because I can get others on side with this idea. We did this. It was unbelievable. The community came like front page of the free press. It was the best kind of partnership. We, we showcased the stadium and the football team as, as a organization that cared about human rights. We engaged 13,000 kids and brought them to the stadium, which, you know, drew a connection between football and them. And obviously from a strategic goal of, of getting fans in the stands, this was another, another way like of showing what the stadium could be of another example of a project I created was a gender-based violence prevention project called break the silence on violence against women. We trained football players on how to speak to high school students about consent, about sexual assault, about respecting women in general, how to be more than a bystander. If you see something happening, what scripts to actually say we did role-playing between our, um, our football players and students and did these workshops with student athletes at high school. This program won an award for the for um I won communicator of the year because of this because we had a whole PSA project where football players were talking in conjunction with the school program they were talking to we recorded these PSAs that were broadcasted on global CJOB and they said you know emotional abuse is abuse and they talked about different different things that just you wouldn't normally see a football player talking about like a, a, the epitome of what's known as masculinity, having a football player talk about why it's not cool to disrespect women with sexist jokes. Um, and all these things on, on television actually had people say, I didn't realize I was in an abusive, an abusive relationship until I saw this PSA. And we act as a part of this whole program, all the players were trained in consent we flew in expert speakers like Tony Porter. We had Tracy Porteous of Ending Violence Association of BC. I got a grant for this from the federal government and the provincial government. We had ministers come in and speak. Like it was such a cool thing. And I I fully believe I never would have been able to create this or see it come to fruition or, you know, manage the entire program if I didn't have ADHD. I just don't think that. I would have the same brain that I do that thinks about things in new ways and tries to like, and and gets people excited about them as much as I do. And this, like this belief, this very strong belief that a project will be amazing. If you can, if you can imagine trying to convince a football team of this, speaking to the CEO, who's amazing, by the way, speaking to the head coach, who's amazing, by the way, the general manager, and then having this be a thing where we actually changed our internal policies about how we would not take certain players with a history of violence, unless we felt like there could be some transformation or they had done the work before they came to the team. Like I was involved in decision-making about players joining the team on some, on some, some level and making sure that they were quality people. I can't speak for everybody who was on the team, of course, but for the most part, these players were, were experiencing some really transformative stuff because of the speakers we brought in. And I want to give a shout you know, there's, I'm talking about this particular program. There was another program in Canada that was very similar. So the inspiration came from that, but to make something big happen, ADHD, in my opinion, in my experience has been a benefit. And that's why there's so many entrepreneurs with ADHD. Now there's studies still being like, like taking place about this, but there's, 
there's really successful people who have ADHD. Will Smith has ADHD. Ellen DeGeneres has ADHD. Serena Williams has ADHD. Thomas Edison had ADHD. Like Michael Jordan has ADHD. There's all of these people who've been so successful in their fields because, in my opinion, they have this superpower. And of course, not everybody thinks of it as a superpower, but I'm really excited about it. And it's, it's given me sort of permission to really like understand that the feeling that I've been different has not been just something in my head. Other things that I realize have been a part of ADHD is I've, I've had anxiety my whole life and I've spoken about it on this podcast. And now I kind of want to go back and <laughs> like re-record that episode, but there's all these co like concurrent, um, parts of ADHD that can be, they call them comorbidities, which sounds kind of like morbid. <laughs> so I, but they're co comorbidities. So it can be, um, ADHD and OCD, ADHD and anxiety, ADHD and depression. And they kind of are this like vicious circle. Okay. So co-occurring conditions can be another way of saying it. I just looked it up substance abuse, eating disorders, mood disorders. There's all these things that can, that can exist at the same time. And I'm not sure, you know, what comes before the other, but I would imagine ADHD can, can sort of be this, like this fire starter to ignite something else happening. So for me, ADHD is absolutely, um, a part of my past with disordered eating and, you know, trigger warning, I'm, I'm talking about that. Um, it has absolutely been a part of that. It was a manifestation of trying to control things because I felt so out of control with my thoughts. And I always thought that was a part of anxiety. It has absolutely been a part of things that I've spoken about with, with the physical anxiety. So I never felt like like how people, how other people described anxiety was how I experienced it. And it felt like a physical thing that I just had this humming of energy. And sometimes it was great. And sometimes it f- made me feel like I was drowning and it was always exacerbated by situations where I was really overstimulated. So in, when I travel and I'm not in my routine and I'm not knowing what to expect. I'm getting overstimulated by a lot of different things. Staying in hotels. I absolutely hate hotels. I know you're supposed to love them. I cannot stand them. And you're like, we're traveling with the team, with the bombers. We're going to Vancouver is one example. And there's this strange thing with me where when it's super windy, it's like that sound, like it just does something to me. It's like a dog who's afraid of thunder. Like, it's just like, I feel like it is overwhelming. And then coupled with the fact that there's all these noises, all these people, I also feel a little bit claustrophobic in them. If I'm really high up, I had a full on panic attack at a Vancouver restaurant and thought that like, because it was because it was so busy, so noisy, and I was just overwhelmed. And I just felt like I was shrinking. And that's the story that I've told on the anxiety episode. Like it was something I couldn't describe. I just felt like I was, I needed to get out of there. Then when I went to back to the hotel, it was this wind and I had to like literally cover myself with this blanket. And I just was under this blanket, like having 
one of the worst feelings I've ever felt in my life. So for me, it, it was clear now that that overstimulation of overstimuli of the noises of the smells of being some somewhere that I'm not familiar with. And I can't anticipate some of these things felt unsafe in some regard. Um, the like skin picking I've talked about before that I experienced as a child, that's part of ADHD for sure. There's all these reasons I'm not going to get into it, but if you're experiencing some of these same things, if you've felt like, like there's a physical manifestation or even OCD, um, compulsivities, it, it could be related. There's, there's a lot of relational things that people feel, um, like they're almost exacerbated because of this neurodivergence. Another thing is actually like rumination, which obviously would perpetuate depression or anxiety. I am an incredibly, and also, um, what's RSD. I'm going to look it up now as I'm speaking, <laughs> you can hear me do it because I can't remember the exact, um, shockingly memory is another thing with ADHD. People with ADHD have terrible memories because there's really too many, too many thoughts happening at the same time, too much information needing to, to store away. So I'm incredible with remembering how I feel and how something smelled and where I was, but exactly what something said, somebody said to me, we'll forget. So, um, so re- rejection sensitivity dysphoria. So this is a part of a symptom of ADHD, which is, is exactly what it sounds. So RSD is a condition in which a person feels extreme emotional sensitivity and pain due to perceived or actual rejection, teasing, or criticism. Every single one of my partners has been like, can't I tease you? <laughs> Can I tease you? And I'd be like, no, absolutely not. You cannot tease me. Like it's, always been a thing. And I've always wondered like why I was such a sensitive kid, rejection from friends, rejection from relationships, why I would always want to break something up first. So I didn't have to deal with the rejection from somebody else because it just felt like the worst thing, even as an adult, you know, losing a job or relate being again, being broken up with or, friendship breakups, which are absolutely terrible at the best of times. Never mind when you have this focus on RSD or this focus focus on rejection and how it makes you feel terrible. Um, like an actual, it's an actual thing. And so as we get into more of like the physical stuff that's happening, we just talked about RSD. I wanted to bring this back to one of the main focuses of ADHD, which is a lack of, and why anxiety and depression and all these other comorbidities or concurring conditions are happening is because people with ADHD have a lower level of dopamine. So it's fascinating because people with ADHD can be impulsive. So there's the impulsive part of ADHD, there's the hyperactive part of ADHD and there's the inattentive. And so sometimes you're a combination of all three, you might be more prone to making quick decisions or being really impulsive with decisions that give you, um, a quick hit of dopamine, like buying something, booking a vacation, jumping off of a cliff into a waterfall. You know, you're the person who might do these things, um, 
without the same level of like thought processes that somebody else would do. I'm a bit, I can be a bit impulsive, but more so I think decisive and like harness that, that ability to make decisions saying, no, we're doing this. I'm going to do this project. I'm going to spend money on this and I'm going to, and I know that I'm okay with it. I'm less like likely to do negative impulsive things. Cause I've just, you know, I'm a person who makes mature decisions at this point in my life, but things like wanting to be excited by your work, coming up with new ideas, even workouts, doing fun things, being the person who's like always looking for new stuff to do. That's because you're searching for these dopamine hits, which allow you to regulate emotional responses, take action to achieve specific rewards. It's like a reward based thing. It's the first, it's the feeling responsible for feelings of pleasure and reward. So if you have ADHD, you have this dopamine deficiency that is responsible for sound decision-making and things like patience that I just talked about, about why I'm so, you know, I'm very impatient as a person. I just want to get to the thing that's going to give me that dopamine hit. And it sounds, you know, that might sound a bit dramatic or it might sound like I'm actually, you know, referring to an addict. It's not, it's a person that is experiencing this lack of dopamine. It's the same as, as when we talk about mental illness being a real thing, and there being somebody's like has a chemical makeup that's that's created depression or they're more susceptible to depression or whatever it is it's a real thing so knowing that knowing that um this is a biological thing that people ex- are experiencing i think it gives you like cuz there's always going to be people who don't believe that ADHD is real that's not true um there's there's multiple ways that you can treat ADHD, knowing that it's a real thing, really coming to terms with the fact that you haven't been diagnosed your entire life. It might've affected your decision-making. It might've created negative experiences in your life where you felt misunderstood or you ruined relationships or you were too intense in situations and you didn't, weren't able to read the room because you were so excited about something and you just wanted everybody else to be as enthusiastic about you. There's all these things that I'm thinking about in my life where I'm like, wow, you know, I contributed to that or I, this is the, there's a reason for it, but it also helps me take, you know, not take full responsibility if that makes sense, because I'm always going to, I think as people, and especially as ADHD folks, you're always feeling like you're messing up somehow. You've been in a life, a constant state of receiving criticism about just needing to try harder or just needing to follow through, or you're bad at details or you're bad at the follow-up and that all those things may be true and you need to find workarounds for them, but it's not just because you're bad, right? It's not just because you're a bad person or you're bad at this thing. It's because your brain works differently. Your, your actual body is, is different. Like when we, there's a, there's a really beautiful metaphor that I love. It's like if, and I'm, I'm really into gardening, really into it. Some might say obsessive. Some might say that it's my ADHD that like loves the, the act of gardening for multiple reasons. It gives me a sense of peace and practices patience, which is not my virtue and all those things. But when a flower doesn't grow, we don't say like, what's wrong with this flower. We change the environment that it's growing in. We move it towards the sun. We give it more water. We change the soil. We don't blame the orchid. <laughs> we don't blame 
the rose bush or the peony or the whatever we're growing. Like I'm constantly looking at my, my yard and trying to change things to make things be where they're supposed to be. And so for all of the stuff I'm talking about, about the opportunities and the hindrances and my characteristics, I say this with no judgment on myself. I'm simply sharing, this is who I am. And having this ADHD diagnosis feels like I finally have unlocked this box that was the key to understanding myself. Like it feels like I finally understand how I can best live my life and how I can be the happiest person. And honestly, like I I wish everybody would find this in some way, whether you're a typical person or you're neurodivergent. Again, I'm not sure if I'm saying all these terms correctly. I'm not an expert, but I, I hope and I wish that everybody could have this level of clarity where they're like, okay, I understand my tendencies. I can even learn from other people who, who are like me and find workarounds to best live my life and to be the happiest person. It feels like I'm giving myself grace and patience and understanding and love and just like all the things that I've, I've previously punished myself for. Now I'm speaking to myself in a different way. I'm saying, how can we find a way to be excited about this? How can we delegate this task? How can we, you know, change your environment so that you're the happiest and not feeling like I'm, I'm dramatic for, you know, complaining of the vent about the vent in my office or loud noises or whatever. Like, I feel like I'm accepting these things about me because it, because it isn't my soul. It's my brain. It's my body. It's like being a tall person. I'm not about to go buy a two car, two door car and like, you know, shove myself into a place that I feel uncomfortable with just because that's what other people are doing or that's what other people expect. Now I'm at a place in my life where I'm very open about it. And again, because at the very beginning of this episode, I said my Facebook or my Instagram post alone has created conversations with five to six people who either have are seeking diagnosis or there's been three people who have actually said that they are diagnosed. They have been diagnosed. This is weeks later. So if I can share my story and, and hopefully bring some peace to others or some understanding and some empathy and some kindness and compassion. That's the reason I'm sharing mine. And I would be inauthentic if I were to have this major breakthrough in my life and not share it to try and make positive impact on somebody else like that, that podcast episode made on me. Um, I'm going to close by talking about a few of my workarounds So for me and for ADHD folks, we need to be excited about something, right? We talked about either being obsessive about it and being super excited about it or like completely disinterested in it. And so when I have a task that I'm completely disinterested in at the moment, I might actually enjoy the process. So for me, part of my job is grant writing. I find ways to be excited about it, or I find ways that I can get into the task And one of the things I heard from Tracy, which I've now adopted is I set a timer, um, on my phone for 25 minutes. If I need to get into a space of writing and getting into that flow, set a timer for 25 minutes, go on, do not disturb. And I listen to house music, which I've always done. Cause I need to, I still 
even when I'm focused, I need to have multiple layers of stimuli. So that house music gets, helps me get into a rhythm. I write. And the trick is like, you're almost like tricking yourself into it, right? You're like, okay, so 25 minutes. And then you feel great after the 25 minutes, I've accomplished this. That's a hit of dopamine Then you do another 25 minutes or however long. I also realized that I'm, I've, I have my best ideas. I'm super productive and I hate being interrupted when I'm in that flow and I'm best in the mornings. So I've canceled having any meetings in the mornings. Hopefully you have the ability to do this in whatever space you work in. If this is something that sounds like it would help be helpful to you. I'm again, I'm a leader in my organization, so I can do that. So I've, I've rescheduled most of my meetings to the afternoons or like late morning if necessary. And I realized that I hate really inefficient meetings. So all of my meetings need to have an agenda. Um, they need to be like either purpose for catch up or they need to have like, we're hitting these three things because it's wasting time is something that bothers me. It's just, you know, I feel like I can be doing 16 other different things. Those are a few of my workarounds. And then when I'm absolutely feeling like I need to do a task, that's like, um, cleaning or something else that I might not be interested in. I think of the end result. I think of how proud I will be at the end and how happy I will be. Now I've gone through my entire life developing these like workarounds that I probably can't even articulate to you because I just do them. But I really enjoy like working hard for something and getting that end result. So being motivated to my master's degree to get that qualification, um, doing the work through creating an entire course and learning how to do navigate all the tech and create a promotional plan and taking multiple courses. I'm in four right now, actually four different courses on digital products, email marketing, launch strategy, and general coaching for mindset and money. And I, it's hard work, right? Like it's not easy, but I'm really excited about that because I'm, I'm even the parts that are hard for me to do, like some of the exercises required in the courses that I don't see the immediate return on. I'm thinking about how happy I'm going to be. So doing some more goal setting for me, saving money and having this new frame of mind around money, making money, saving it. I have a whole money mindset episode. If you haven't listened to that, highly recommend it. I'm thinking about the goals of next year. So I'm thinking about, I'm literally doing visualization exercises to think about how happy I'm going to be in the cabin that I want to buy. Um, and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm picturing myself living that life so that maybe the impatience or the lack of interest or the harder moments that everybody feels, of course, you know, it's not just people with ADHD, but everybody feels like a lack of interest when something is, is not exciting. But I, I, remind myself of the, of the positive outcome of something. There's a lot of people who have ADHD have trouble with their fitness journey. And so for me, like I, I realize that I love spin classes. I love that. I love the stimuli of really loud music. It helps actually clear my thoughts in a weird way instead of in like the opposite of too many conversations happening at once and being distracted by all those things, music, loud music, and focus in a classroom in a, in the vault at wheelhouse, I'm at my best because I'm not, I don't have my phone with me. I'm not being distracted. Everybody's focused on this one thing. And that's how I get excited about exercise. So if you're listening to this and you're like, ah, oh, there's this thing that I, I, it's a goal of mine. I, it just, I feel like I keep procrastinating. I can't get it done. Try and ask yourself like, what would make this easy? What would be the easy way of doing this? And what would make me excited to do it? 
So you might be a course creator or somebody and you're, you're finding that you keep not doing certain tasks. And I'm going to be doing more podcast episodes about course creation, digital product creation in the future. If you're thinking about like, I, and this could apply to somebody else too. I, for, okay, let me give you an example. Let me give a real life example, not, not related to digital product people. And then I'll move into that. I do not like cleaning my floors. I will vacuum all day. There's something about like cleaning my floors that I just, it's, it's annoying. I feel like it's just a time waster. It's like hard with the dogs. It's just whatever. Folding clothes is another thing. So I need to watch TV when I'm folding clothes so that they're not just like laying around. Um, otherwise I'll just keep not doing the task. It'll make me feel bad about not doing the task. And this is this whole thing, rumination for the floor stuff. I just hired a cleaner. I just hired a fucking cleaner because it is easier and it's worth it. And obviously I have the privilege to do that. I have the ability financially to do that, but I stopped getting down to myself. I'm like, I don't like to do the task. I'm never going to like to do this task. Why don't I just outsource it? A lot of people with ADHD are masters at outsourcing. Like Tim Ferriss, I'm pretty sure has ADHD. The four hour work week guy, his whole book is about finding the best ways to be more efficient. I love to be efficient. So I have somebody who is amazing. She comes, cleans my house, does a really deep clean every two weeks. I vacuum, I maintain it, all the stuff in between. I hired an organizer. You can, you can listen to the episode. I, I spoke to Sarah. I had, I got her in here and she helped organize my kitchen and like develop systems that just got me excited about living in a more organized space. So you can delegate, you can off outsource, you can find ways that make it easy and also make you excited to maintain whatever that, that result is. So whether it's exercise, coming to a spin class or going to boxing or doing something else than just showing up at the gym, that doesn't interest me anymore as a, as a fit person. I do not go to the gym. I did it for so many years and I'm not interested anymore. I'm flat out not interested. And I'm, so I'm not going to do it. Like if you're, if you have ADHD or you don't, I think we just need to be more accepting of ourselves generally. And if an ADHD diagnosis, if this is all resonating with you, or feel like that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, or that's kind of me, not sure. Uh, maybe I'm more impulsive or more hyperactive or more inattentive, or maybe I zone out during conversations. Can't keep, can't like I have terrible memory. I ruminate all these things that I sort of touched on slightly. If you have ADHD or not, or you don't, let's just be more accepting of ourselves. And if a diagnosis does help you, then I encourage you to go get it. Cause it certainly has helped me. Um, there's been lots of people who've asked some really great questions about medication. And, you know, at some point I'm, I, I'll try it probably just to see, I don't like taking any medication every single day. I'm not on any medication that requires me to take it daily. It's just a personal choice. So I, I might, the thing is, I love the brilliance that ADHD gives me. I love the creativity, the excitement, the enthusiasm, and I'd be concerned about dulling that, but I'm doing my research. There's multiple different kinds. There's Concerta, Ritalin, Adderall, and they, they're different, um, makeup. So some of them will be quick acting. So you take it multiple times a day or, or minimum once a day, but like they're, they're immediate and then there's slow acting. So depending on how you metabolize things, you might be want ready for one or the other. Tracy Otsuka has a really great episode that I will link in the show notes on medication specifically. Um, 
how to get treatment. That was another question I was asked or how to get, uh, diagnosed. I personally just spoke to my general practitioner, my, my doctor, my family doctor, she agreed. She went through a whole list of things with me and basically said, I, you know, I'm hitting most of them. And then I spoke to my psychologist who I mentioned this story in my Instagram post. She said she knew from day one that I had it. And I was sort of like, maybe you should have told me, like maybe you should have brought this up at some point, but we were focusing on other things. And she said to me, she was like, there's so many people that I know, so many patients that I have that I treat who are on the other side of it. They have been adults their entire life and they're extremely successful. She's like, you're an extremely successful person. This is, these are her words. And I believe, I also believe that I believe I'm a successful person. She said that it affects people mostly when they're kids, right? When they're in environments that they can't control, that they have no ability to develop workarounds for the example I gave about being in science class and having this magazine. Like obviously that was a workaround that did not work. It can, if you're not abiding by social structures, it can disrupt things. And then you can be reprimanded. You can be, you can take attention from away from your siblings and your family structure and environment. And it can cause all these ripple effects as an adult we have the ability usually to, to change our environments to suit us, the flower, the garden metaphor being one of them. And she wanted me to come to this realization on my own. Now I'm seeing her more often and I'm considering getting an ADHD coach, which is a thing that people do. They have coaches who help them develop workarounds. It's kind of this holistic approach. It's not just medication. Um, a lot of people do find a ton of relief in medication and they find that, they realize that their anxiety is finally, is finally kind of cured or it's like finally manageable. And it was actually ADHD the entire time. These are like anecdotes I'm sharing from other people in my Facebook group. So there's this whole option for you. If you do get diagnosed that can involve a whole bunch of different things. I'm personally going through therapy as I always do. And I'm considering trying medication at some point, if I feel like it ever really negatively impacts my day to day. And if I find like I I'm in an environment where I need to get things done and I'm still, my workarounds aren't working. That's my personal choice. Um, I also listened to the ADHD for smart ass women podcast, highly recommend that one. And I'm in a Facebook group. Um, I know one of the people that, that this resonated with actually joined that Facebook group. I saw her in it and she's, you know, she's a person with a family and so very different situation than me. Like I'm a, you know, solo person. I have a partner, but I'm, I live alone. I can really, I can really change my environment to be what I need it to be. So there's all these different things that you can do. If this is you, I want to encourage you to, you know, see this as a, as a breakthrough of sorts. It's going to feel hard. It's going to feel weird. There's going to be things that you grieve, like old notions you had about yourself. You're going to let, you're going to need to let go of thinking that you were bad at something and really maybe try and be kinder to yourself. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. I hope that this was really helpful for you. I, I hope that me sharing my truth was, was helpful. If you're still listening, obviously it resonated in some way and you know, my heart is with you and, and all the other people who have ADHD. The last thing I'll say, you might be thinking this, um, you're a woman who's in her thirties or forties women tend to get diagnosed later. So you might be thinking, well, this can't be me. I've never been diagnosed. I obviously shared my age at the beginning of this episode. Most women aren't diagnosed until they're, they're later in life and something triggers this, 
this need to get diagnosed, whether it's having a family and trying to manage their schedules and all that sort of stuff, whether it's job loss or like realizing that you've been in the wrong environments your whole life and you're trying to figure out what this thing is. There's all these different reasons, um, why you might get diagnosed later in life, but you know, I'm with you. I'm, I'm here. I'm listening. If you have any questions specifically about what's worked for me, you can find me on Instagram at Hannah Rose spin. If you're interested in instructor coaching or digital product creation, please follow me at Hannah Rose spin too, because I'm going to be sharing more things about that. That's it for today for all my atypical and also neurodivergent divergent friends. Yes, you can. Uh-huh.